0: And welcome back to another edition of Why CT Matters. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, president of Yankee Institute, and we are delighted to be joined once again by Faith Ham. Faith is one of the state's all-around knowledgeable people. Uh, She is the member of a Connecticut school board, although she's speaking with us in her personal capacity, uh, which gives her deep knowledge and insight about what's going on uh, in our schools, or at least in some of our schools. And she's also the operations director for the Charter Oak Leadership Program, which is a leadership program here in Connecticut that is deeply grounded in the principles of the American founding and the free market. And Faith, thank you for coming back again. We have so much more to talk about. And uh, we have talked, as you know, about some of the bills uh, that have been proposed in the legislature, including one that would protect teachers from FOIA requests uh, pertaining to communications with students on subjects like race, sexual identity, uh, gender identity, and also This ridiculous bill that would require our schools to teach children in grades uh, three through 12 about the role humans have played, they've decided, in accelerating climate change and equipping students to be little activists with the tools necessary to be part of a green economy. Um, And so, you know, we were sort of talking a little bit about the role of education in a free society and um you know it, it just seems to me that when we train children in what to think rather than in how to think um we're we're doing them such a grave disservice because received truths of one decade end up being the garbage of the next and um you know you just end up with little robots who are not able to think for themselves and who you know spew a, a a line rather than having the kind of independence of thought and the ability to think critically that is just indispensable for free people in a free society
1: right I think you summed that up beautifully um you know I, uh, I one thing I do want to look at is um just, how this situation in Connecticut has come about. And, and um, you know, it, we talked earlier about the distrust and and just one thing about the FOIA requests. You know, when you start asking just this, I was in the classroom for 12 years as a middle school English teacher. I will tell you, when you start asking for lesson plans, don't do it because they can change on a dime. I just want to put that one out there. But um, going back to the distrust that is in Connecticut, I think very few people realize the amount of control that this state has over our schools. Um, I, I, I joked. I said the first thing, the first surprise I got after being, you know, after becoming or getting elected was um, finding out that I became a state agent upon my. Upon so you my, mean there's you know, a lot of
0: state control versus local control? Is what there you're is, Tons of state mandates.
1: mandate i mean out and out control and i'm gonna just kind of go to the state law very before regarding boards of education the very first line before they start getting into dictating what you're gonna do and this and that the um it opens with a preamble that said boards of education are not agents of the towns they're creatures of the state and then you go on um chapter 170 section 10-220. 10-220. That's Duty- outrageous. The agents well, of the it gets state.
0: better.
1: Um, du- duties of the board of education. Each local or regional board of education shall maintain good public elementary uh elementary and secondary schools and implement the educational interests of the state as defined in section 10.4. Now the the local districts are required to provide can oversee the services, but our first charge is to implement the interests of the state, and I don't think people realize that. And um, it's creating. I, I, I get into it. You know, we all know Rob Sampson and love him dearly, but I get into it with him because he says, "No, that that is not what it says." And I said, "Rob, if we had a court system that might be willing to entertain." Debate and arguments, um, you might have a point, but the courts will always side with the state, it seems. we And that goes to a whole other podcast that you can get into. But the fact of the matter is we're there to do the state's bidding. So what do we do? And yeah, so we're loaded down with mandates uh, where we get... <laughs> Part-time legislators telling us what to do. But Faith,
0: we don't want a full-time legislature. No, we don't. Full-time legislatures are passing laws and in everybody's business full-time.
1: We should do what New Hampshire does, pay them a hundred bucks and bring in 200 of them. And, And each one gets a committee that they stay on. I don't know. I mean, but what we've got right now is just, I'm sorry, it's wreaking havoc and, um, I would contend that until we get an explicit law that says local authority, boards have local authority and schools are the authority of the local board, I don't know how we're going to fix this. So, um, But I don't think people realize this. And so when we get parents showing up saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, um, many times, first of all, we're one of anywhere from seven to nine.
0: Your contention is then that you don't have the power to do it. You can't do it because you're under state control. So give us an example.
1: Okay. So state an example. This is, this is just amazing. What's coming down the pike. It's called the right to read act. And it was um, passed two years ago. Now we can talk about rights and we can talk about skills and is reading a right or is it a skill um again another podcast but the legislation said it deals with um proficiency uh, proficiency uh, achievement or achievement in the pre-k through grade 3 uh levels and the goal is to have every child reading every child in the state reading proficiently by grade three. It's a noble goal. Um,
0: but I think great. Sometimes there are people in our state who think that passing a law is the same thing as making it happen.
1: Yeah, it's unicorns and rainbows because reading is a skill and we do it differently. And I'm not saying if you have a slow or a poor reader or someone for whom it does not click that you give up on him or her. But we're all going uh, anyway anyway, um, that um, I don't know that we're going to be able to get everybody up to that standard that is very high in Connecticut unless we start reducing the standard. And then what do we do there? That's, uh, you know. Uh, but anyway, the, the consequence of this bill, though, is what's scary, is that the State Department of Education has started to develop the framework for implementing it. They have selected six reading programs um some of them of these reading programs are in place right now um in districts and the kids are not proficient so they are dubious dubious um reading programs um there are the vast majority of the 169 school districts or 164 i don't know the number exactly um Have really good reading programs and very high proficiency rates. So they're going to go in and mess with success. We're going to mess with success. They never, the State Department of Education never came into these high performing districts to find out what they're doing right. They just said, you've got to scrap whatever you've got by next year, and put in one of these programs. And some of these are truly wretched programs. Um, You know, they're not phonics based, we all know that. um, Oh, no, why would you not have phonics? Everybody knows phonics is the way to go. But they're canned programs, and the, the successful districts have multiple programs in place to deal with multiple reading All kinds levels of learners, and, yeah, and learners, and the teachers are committed. I have sat through. Um, no, through- of course,
0: most teachers. It's it's like it's like police officers. Of course, there are some bad ones who deserve to be taken out and severely disciplined. Um, you know, but. But most of them are there for the right reasons. They start out there for the right reasons. Mm
1: -hmm. But so there was a seminar um, or a webinar a couple of weeks ago in which one district said 500 500 students in the district. They went in to look at one of these programs and how um, they could get it or how much it would cost to get it in. It was pushing a million dollars that's for a 500 person district. This is going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars for our districts and it's unnecessary and i think the first this goes back to the trust issue. The state doesn't trust our districts to do what's right by the kids.
0: Why on god's green earth would the state not go into the most successful districts
1: and try and replicate what's being done right? I don't know. In my district we do what are called learning walks and we take our our Um, new teachers, teachers who may not perhaps be up to standards and bring them into the classrooms of the best teachers. It's just a natural. We did it in my school when I taught. I don't know why. Staffing, maybe. How do you catalog it? I don't know. But There is so much wrong with this bill. And yet this is a mandate. This is something that's coming down. Um, Supposedly there's a waiver program, but at the same time, there's no guarantee anyone is gonna get a waiver. And if a kid isn't up to, if a student isn't up to proficiency um, by the end of the school year, he is obligated to go to summer school, um, which is going to impose that much more, that much greater cost on the districts. It is a scary, scary bill. Sometimes, you know, it's so interesting
0: because sometimes it seems that these laws are made with no actual consideration of the real world consequences.
1: Rainbows and unicorns. And so at this um, breakfast yesterday, this uh, legislative breakfast I attended, I asked, there were a couple of legislators there. I said, do you guys, when you put up a mandate, ever do a cost benefit analysis, which would make sense, wouldn't it? Mm. And I got a very squeamish, well, sometimes. And so they are required, apparently, to do a cost-benefit analysis of legislation. But um, two problems. It's supposed to come through one of the governor's office, like the Office of Economic Research or something like that. Um, And oftentimes it just never gets done. And then it's supposed to be done after the hearing process when the bill has moved to the floor. By then, it's too late. You don't know what. And, and so if the legislator gets the cost-benefit analysis, it's, um, it's just before a vote. And we all know how legislation is done. You get a gazillion bills at the end of the session, and you're told to vote on them. And you, oh, by the way, you have 10 seconds to read the bill. It's... It's just untenable. And there are states in this country that are doing well with education. They're innovative. They're they are creative. Um, uh, why are we not looking there? Because we're going to have a day of reckoning and we're seeing them in our alliance districts, in our per- poor performing districts. You know, we've been trying to equalize pay since, you know, before Chef, all the way back to Governor Meskel. And we still have poor performing districts where kids are being sold so short.
0: Yes. We'll be talking about that a little bit more um, in in March because some of that is enough to just make you want to cry. Let's talk a little bit about some of these other bills um, because (laughs) there's yet a little bit more craziness. (laughs) And uh, and it really, you know, it never really ends because that's just the way it rolls. But again, Mm -hmm. I want to I want to assure our listeners that some of this, um, you know, some of these may never see the light of of day. We're just talking about some of these bills that that have been. Put together and presented. Just because these have been drafted or have been put forth in concept, it does not mean that these are going to be law necessarily.
1: Right? Could I just make the point though that that right to read is not a bill; it's a law. No, it's I mean, a it law. It's a mandate.
0: Yeah. So okay, okay this is one that actually um, did. I don't get triggered, Faith, because I'm not a snowflake. Okay, but. um Bill 6396, teachers can provide instruction free from harassment stemming from ideological differences of opinion about certain subjects, including but not limited to gender, race, sexuality, racism, and climate change. Now, okay, this to me is an interesting little Trojan horse because no one, no one should be harassed. But here's the thing the ideological differences of opinion always just seem to flow one way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, would, I would pay good money um, to see what would happen to the teacher that tried to teach a traditional religious view on any of these subjects mm-hmm. um, and how quickly, uh, how quickly they were, mm, I, I don't know, harassed or intimidated, you know, because that should never go on. All of everyone and and adults, it's a great place to start modeling for children how to handle different views respectfully. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so obviously there shouldn't be harassment or intimidation. But what this is basically saying is you can ignore your school board. You can ignore whatever the parents in your district have expressed about their wishes in the values they want their children taught And nothing, you know, no one is really allowed to object to it or anything else because we'll call it harassment. Mm -hmm. Right. And I find that really objectionable. I mean, here's the thing. Um, You know, I understand it's become trendy on the left to try and claim that parents have no role in education. Terry McAuliffe said it, you know, before the uh, Virginia election last year. And, you know, Melissa Harris Perry says it on MSNBC. But the fact is that, in fact, parents are the ones um, and uh, who are responsible for the moral raising of their children and for imparting values. And it is not for a teacher or any other government instrumentality to come in and to countermand the things that a parent wants their children to be taught. And then if a parent objects, be able to stand back and squeal. You're harassing me. And how do you define harassment?
1: I mean, that's what I mean. It's void
0: for vagueness, in my opinion, as a constitutional matter. But I mean, to me, these kinds of bills are why the trust that we talked about in the last episode, you know, the lack of trust exists. What right. are they planning to do that they
1: find this kind of legislation necessary? I have no idea. Assume that you can establish that the parent has the, has harassed the teacher. What is the consequence of the bill? And, well, and, I, w- you know, I would assume
0: are, an FBI investigation. I guess we'll
1: bring in <laughs> Merrick Garland. Um, and, you know, think of that. Think of that episode during, um, you know, what was it? 18 weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. Merrick yeah. Garland in, in cahoots with um uh, the national Indiana association of, of school boards of or something yeah and it's documented so right. i really don't want to hear um legislative state people say oh it's not real it was documented oh yeah so, there was a letter yep um it's like top-down distrust and top-down um contempt almost yeah. yes uh, if you have a child it is your right to raise them as You see fit, fit, but it's also your responsibility. And, 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 you know, again, I'm going to, I think I referenced Chris Powell earlier. He's been writing a lot about this, you know, parents, you have an obligation to get your child to school. If you, um, into basically to make sure your child is being educated, if they're not being educated in the manner you see fit, there are options out there. And we can and and
0: well, that's a later that's conversation. Where, that's where
1: choice is going right. to come in. That's but- a later
0: conversation, but that to me is what is so unfair. Is you know the left wants to say you shouldn't have a choice and you shouldn't have a say, right? Like what's exactly. that about? Only rich people should get to make that decision. Yep. Poor people shouldn't have a choice and they shouldn't get to have a voice in what their children are told or taught. We'll right. take care of all of that because your children are essentially ours. I mean, right. that's totalitarian, it's authoritarian, and, you know, they throw around the word fascist a lot, but that's exactly <laughs> what that is.
1: It, it's true. And, and um, you know, this does go back to Wilson and Dewey, where they kind of, you know, finally decided, or they came up with this brilliant idea, and again, they were looking at I'd say the German schools, the German education model of of the um, late 19th and early 20th century in which they were creating. And I use that term purposefully um, tradesmen. I mean, that was their goal and they were going to teach them. They weren't looking to create thinkers, they wanted automatons to run yeah, well, in. It was an industrial age. And it was an industrial needed. age. But you know, for Dewey and his ilk to say, oh yeah, we can we can craft. Human beings. I mean, essentially, that's what Yeah, that's kind of scary
0: stuff. Yeah.
1: And but that's what we're seeing now. We can make our kids think a certain way. We can do this. Um, you know, human nature is kind of immutable. I'm sorry. We're doing the same things we did that our our ancestors, prehistoric ancestors did in many respects. But um, um there is this that especially when you talk about What's going on in our alliance districts? There's almost this sense that we know more than you. We're smarter than you, and we we know more about education. We know more about child rearing, and just as you said, leave it to us. You bore yeah. them, we'll take them. Um, it's frustrating, and there are parents out there in these districts who desperately want out. And I'm sort of moving <laughs> into the choice, but that's and that's not re- where I want to go, and where where you want to go. But but that's what we're seeing. In this state, I think
0: it's on all of us as we wrap up faith, I think it's on all of us to start trying to think more creatively and the local level, you know, just to come back to this. The local level is where I think we have the best hope of starting to address these problems, especially the lack of trust, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I'm, I'm such a fan of localism. Um, you know. Because this is where people can meet as individuals and get to know each other as people, mm-hmm. and get over these, you know, ideological boxes um, and and boogeymen that too often get in the way of understanding each other and coming to mutually agreeable solutions. And um, you know, if we could get past the 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 sense on the one hand that parents are there simply to harass and intimidate and, um, and bother teachers and get in their way. And if, on the other hand, the schools and the administrators could, and the teachers could, on the other hand, reassure the parents and really live by the fact that they are not trying to do anything besides equip these parent partner with the parents really turn it back into the partnership that I remember it being Mm -hmm. when I was younger, you know, where, where teachers and parents were partners in terms of trying to do what was best for the children. And, you know, being a little bit more transparent about the fact that they are not out to subvert the parents values in the classroom. I think that would go a long way toward putting some of this conflict to rest.
1: I agree with you. Uh, but it is going to take a communicate. It's going to take a lot of communication. Um, it's going to take meetings, um, meetings where parents have to show up. But we had a instance in our in our district where um, there was a Contentious issue that arose over some middle school books, um, and the district could have said, "Oh well, you know, these are like them or leave them." This is what we're teaching. Parents could have protested. We had a forum. Uh, we brought together the parents. We brought together the the teachers who developed the program. We brought to, we talked about the books. We talked about alternatives, and we came up with a solution. The community, when allowed to work as it should, will find solutions to the problems that that were facing. Are we going to make everybody happy? Heck no. It's always going to be better
0: than a top-down solution imposed by the state. Yeah. It's always going to be better. It reminds me a little bit, you know, as a final thought um, about what Ruth Bader Ginsburg said one time about the Roe versus Wade decision. And she said that abortion had been such a, a, an ugly, boil on the face of the American body politic, because the Supreme Court had taken it away from the political process, and the, you know, having people's ability to sort of fight it out, have it decided by election. And, you know, obviously, however, it came out, Someone was going to be unhappy. That's the way things happen. But at least everyone was going to have been able to have been heard. And people can live with losing, or live Mm -hmm. with not having everything they want, if they have had an opportunity to make their views known, and, you know, be part of the process. And where you get into trouble, in my view, especially in a representative democracy, is when, you know, sometimes what feels like a more remote unit of government in the Roe case of the Supreme Court and in this case, you know, a bunch of state lawmakers take the decision out of your hands and say, thank you very much. We'll handle this and impose a solution on you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, And that's where then all the bitterness festers and things just get worse and worse. I agree. Well, since we agree, Faith, I think we solved the problem. And this is a perfect time to wrap it up, don't you? I do. Um, I mean, maybe what? they should just put us in charge and we'll impose solutions on everyone. Let's do it. But they'll be the right <laughs> solution. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Unworthy of a representative democracy. But we are grateful to you, Faith. Thank you so much, Faith Ham a member of a Connecticut school board seeing all of these problems up close and personal and, of course, the operations director of the Charter Oak Leadership Program, which you should definitely check out. And Faith, we are so grateful. Thanks. Thanks so much. Grateful to all of you. This is Carol Platt-Lebow, and we look forward to being with you on the next edition of YCT Matters. I'll
1: show you around this place I
0: call home.